Hello, RSA members, and welcome to our podcast. My name is Lauren Lamparter, and I am your RSA Immediate Past President and a PGY2 at the University of Illinois Chicago. Today, we have the third session following our AAEM RSA Resident Labor Rights Panel discussion, which took place at Scientific Assembly in New Orleans. Today, we're here to discuss the future of resident unionization efforts. Joining me is Dr. Anna Yap, who is an emergency physician and health equity and administration fellow at the University of California, Los Angeles. She currently serves as California Medical Association trustee and as the AMA resident and fellow speaker of the house. She was previously a vice regional president for the committee of interns and residents. Thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Yap. To get us started, will you please give us a brief introduction to your personal experience with resident unionization? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So I actually came into residency not knowing too much about unionization, but I was always really into organized medicine and health policy and advocacy. And uh, one of the senior residents in my EM program knew that about me coming in. So when I came in, they were like, oh, you're somebody who likes to do grassroots work and advocacy and sort of pulled me in to the unionization efforts that were going on at UCLA. At that time, they had uh, just finished uh, interviewing and figuring out what union they wanted to go with. And we were in the card collecting and grassroots um, building stage. And so that's where I came in. Uh, And so I really just got wrapped up in all that uh, jumped in and haven't looked back since. Um, so for that, I uh, was part of the negotiating team at UCLA, organizing team, and then eventually became a regional vice president of that and helped restart the um, political efforts uh, for the Committee of Interns and Residents, which is the COOP, is the uh, group that's called, mm-hmm. and, uh, here in California and worked with CIR to write our first piece of legislation and pass it ever, uh, which was granting due process rights to residents here in California. And uh, ever since has have really been helping to educate people about unionization, giving them tips, tricks, and uh, what it could look like at their shop. Very cool. You've done so much just individually and nationally. So you're a great voice in this area. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some of the cons of residency unionization, mostly what people propose are cons. Um, So some of the things that people push back on for union formation is that individual residency programs lose autonomy, will lose autonomy, they say. Um, They think that residents will have to give concessions rather than make gains. And how true have you seen that statement to be? Are Are there typically a lot of barriers to forming unions and do we result in actually losing things instead of gains? Yeah. So interestingly, I think there's like other barriers to starting a union that, especially for residents that we can talk about, but specifically to this question about the losing autonomy. At the end of the day, a union is made up of residents and it is a democratic organization. And like residents are never going to want to make it more difficult for their residency programs to be able to do good things for the residents. In addition to the fact that the union is really targeted towards employment issues and not towards the educational side of things, right? Because we as residents occupy that interesting space as both learners and as workers. Um, The ACGME has traditionally protected us when it comes to the learners part of things, but when it comes to the workers part of our rights, they don't really have much say and they don't really talk much about it. Um, When it comes to like what residency programs can and cannot do, oftentimes it comes down to what the employer side of things with the hospital might try to 
enforcers say as as uh, things that they can or cannot do. At the end of the day, your union, your negotiating team, your organizing bargaining team are not going to uh, settle with something worse than what you have now. And the beauty of a union is that you guys can come together, unify, and be able to put pressure on um, on administration and really hold them to account in a way that you weren't able to before as a union. Um, I'd say that the most important thing when you're first putting together your first contract is making sure that you keep track of all the benefits that every single residency program has in the hospital and make sure that you guys get that on paper and make sure that you can put it in your contract initially. And yes, when you're coming to figure out what are the most important things about your contract. When we were writing our contract, we actually put out a survey asking people to rank what are the most important things to them. And so when we were putting together our package, we're going to propose the highest, best possible things for all the, for every category. And then with the survey, we kind of helped decide what is the thing we're willing to give up first? What is the thing we want to keep? And generally speaking, we're going to improve uh, improve the rights and improve the benefits for everybody across the table. There are certain small things that may change in certain ways. And for us, like an example, something that kind of became a little bit more administratively burdensome, but it's kind of something that we had to we had to trade in for was um, reimbursement for different conferences, right? Because that was specifically different per uh, uh, per program and per specialty. But ultimately, across the table, we got benefits that were better um, than most. That makes um, sense. You yeah, have to exactly. kind of assess what each specialty is is interested in maintaining for themselves, what their what their specific residency has given them in the past. And then you kind of almost level the playing field, bringing in, bringing everybody up to that same level. You don't, you don't bring anybody down, but you bring everybody up in terms of what they're getting and receiving. Absolutely. Um, the, the other thing I would also say is that hospitals, unfortunately, will oftentimes try to use the contract as a ceiling when the union very much definitively says the contract should be a um, should be a like a basement like it's a very minimum but unfortunately oftentimes hospitals don't see eye to eye <laughs> with that that's fair and then as a union progresses you cannot revisit that contract correct absolutely yeah so for example when we were first negotiating our contract um, right before that our fertility benefits had been taken away. And we wanted to fight to bring it back into our contract. And we just didn't have the manpower to do so. Now that many of the University of California programs across the state have unionized and came together under like a single unifying contract, they actually were able to renegotiate back into their contract fertility benefits up to like $30,000 is my understanding. So now residents are having that, something that we never thought would be possible, but because of because of unity in numbers, because now we have more um, residents all underneath an umbrella, they were able to negotiate that. Wow, that's very cool. That yeah, makes it's fantastic. So California is experiencing almost a multi-residency union now or multi-program? Yeah, so University of California is our largest public uh, employer in the state. And so, you know, we have different campuses. There's one in Riverside, Los Angeles, San Francisco. They all are unified under University of California umbrella, but we all actually have specific contracts to our hospitals, but they're actually also have a single unifying contract at the very top that talks about, that, uh, talks about salary and 
like parental benefits and fertility benefits. So some things that are specific uh, that can be like generalized throughout the state, but then each hospital will also have a subset specific contract to them, things like parking or, you know, stuff that really affects differently based on the city you live in. That makes sense. Yeah, that's cool. And it it helps to have that, again, those additional voices. Um, So looking on at like kind of a a more specific example, there was a a recent article from a program that is kind of its own, its own island of a program where it doesn't necessarily have that, that grouping of other residencies Um, from Mass General, a resident, a resident wrote a, a article calling for like a pause in unionization. He states that, um, residents should put a pause on the efforts and consider all that's already begun. I guess they gave they gave them some concessions when unionization was being discussed um, and they've offered considerable benefits. Uh, he thinks the union can do better, but he's not necessarily sure how. Do you agree or disagree regarding thoughts for this? Should, should efforts to unionize and get start collecting voices together that result in change kind of halt a unionization effort or should they continue like would you recommend if somebody would continue on and and unionize fully what do you think about this article yeah so this is a perfect segue into what i think the huge barriers to unionization for residents are um this is like the one of the best ways that hospitals are able to halt unionization for residents because we are such a limited population. Like we are only going to be in the hospital anywhere between three to maybe seven years or maybe a little bit longer if you're doing fellowship too. But generally speaking, we are not there for a long time. Many other unions uh, across the employment sector have people who work at that hospital who are union members at that place that they work at for like 10, 20, 30 years, right? They've been there forever, but we residents are, we are not shelf stable. (laughs) We are going to go, right? Um, And so the way to kind of squash those who are interested and excited and have the energy to unionize, because that takes a lot of work, right? When I was doing this, my intern year, this was more than a part-time job. We were spending more than 20 hours a week in addition to already trying to learn how to be an intern or resident my second year. Um, And so the hospital is going to throw bones at you to try to get you to stop. And the funny thing though that we've seen across the board is that at the end of the day, the union is not going to settle for less than what you already have. And oftentimes things that the hospital offers like benefits, your union is going to negotiate higher and better than. So for example, um, one of the big things that actually got us unionizing was in order to kind of help alleviate the unionization effort at my hospital, the hospital had offered a $3,500 housing stipend because folks were concerned about how expensive it is to live in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, but ultimately that was like bungled uh, because they had said, oh, it's going to be pre uh, like that's going to be post-tax amount, but that ended up being taxed. And so people got less. And so folks got really inflamed and ultimately for many reasons, but that was one of them. Folks were like, let's just actually get a union, get this written in paper, get this put in stone. Yeah. And we were actually able to negotiate a uh, uh, $12,000 housing stipend wow, instead of $3,500. Yeah. We did that. Plus, we increased, we uh, negotiated a 12% um, raise over three years. So it was like four for four, I think, per year. Um, and that was like not going to ever happen for us before yeah. unionization. But at the end of the day, because you do have that... Um, safety in numbers. And because now you have a way to say, we are going to do X, Y, Z things if we don't get what we're wanting with the union. 
I think it actually is much better to have a union because you're if you're just saying, well, you know, it's good enough. We got some better salary and some better health insurance. You're still at the whims of the administration and they could very well take it away in a few years when they say, oh, we're at a deficit and we, there's no way to keep them to account. Yeah. Um, I'd also say there's actually benefits as well to unionization outside of just salary and health insurance um, that we don't necessarily think or talk about so much. So, for example, for us, we actually wanted to negotiate into our contract due process protections for professionalism issues. So we know that professionalism is oftentimes weaponized against people of color, minority folks if you somehow just aren't liked in a particular way and not necessarily related to actually how you're practicing or how your academic rigor is. Um, from the ACGME, we do have profession, uh, we do have due process protections when it comes to academic issues, but when it comes to professionalism, whatever this means under that umbrella, we yeah. don't. Um, but actually many unions across the employment sector and even many unions, residency unions actually in general have that due process protection clause. And so we just wanted to write it in, into our contract and be, treated equal to other residencies and other employees in the sector, especially because we have to finish residency in order to become an attending. So we're like increasingly more vulnerable that way. Um, when it ultimately, when we just couldn't get it into our contract, when we came to an impasse, actually UCSF almost like went to strike about, about it because they couldn't get it. Yeah. We ended up um, negotiating with UC trying to do that in good faith. And then ultimately actually went to the legislature and wrote that piece of legislation because we couldn't get what we needed um, to the table. So there are other avenues that we're, we were able to pursue because we are a union. Wow, yeah. See, that makes it, it makes sense because they're giving you that one-time concession for the fact that you're unionizing. But like you said, you would you could lose that voice if you weren't together. And I love how you then took it to the state level, um, I feel like there's so much potential with what we could do in unionization. So what do you see as the future of residency unionization effort? Where are we going with this? Yeah, so have, folks have been seeing a lot of unionization in the past few years. There's a couple reasons for it. Um, biggest ones being just under the Trump administration, the NLRB, which is the National Labor Relations Board, just wasn't friendly toward unionization. So there was really a pause during that time. And since that time under the Biden administration, the NLRB is much more favorable. And so many more have come up and, and progressed those efforts and declared as such. I'd say that the future of the unionization effort, I think more and more in the public sector in states where folks can unionize, we're we're seeing that happening. And I think it's it's just really catching fire. And I think as more medical students hear about it, they come to their residencies, they're excited, they have the energy, and they're gonna make that happen as well. Yeah. You know, it's hard to necessarily be able to predict the future, but at the end of the day, the unionization effort is really based on people and it's based on grassroots work. And so if the energy is there, if folks are able to do it, then fantastic it will keep on going. But when people, if people get tired, you know, then it's it's gonna go. I think it's it's harder to say what will happen in the private sector and what will happen in states where folks can't unionize. I don't know, especially if there's like a change in administration, change in LRB makeup, like there might be having to be pause and efforts again. But I'd, I'd say that at least for the community of interns and residents, they're growing in such a huge, um, way that they never really had before. And I think they'll continue to have the infrastructure to be able to continue to help unionize folks and continue those efforts. Yeah, I think 
as folks are graduating out of residency and are going into attending hood, as, um, as we are becoming more and more employees and not folks who are necessarily owning our own practice, mm-hmm. I think there are going to be increased calls for it. I mean, every, every EM conference I go to, I'll have a different attending come up to me and be like, what do you think about unionizing you know, this attending group or that attending group? And I, oh, yeah. I think, yeah, I think that it's very possible. I, per, to be honest, don't, it's a whole different arena and a different field and there's different laws that govern attending hood and so I don't know how exactly that would happen I know there is an attending union that exists but they generally unionize like county hospitals and and um, physicians who are employees of like a hospital or a group I don't know how it's going to work for staffing groups and things like that Uh, but I think it's an interesting topic that's going to continue yeah absolutely do um in the same kind of vein of that the attending groups i think if if it ever gets to the point of having unions they are a little bit more long term and stable than some of the resident groups is there a barrier to maintaining a union when a given group of residents leaves the hospital what is that what does that look like yeah i mean absolutely right so the thing i made sure to instill in the folks uh, in our union before i left was saying you need to continue this legacy of leadership and this culture of promoting leaders because the huge problem is is that once your leader strong leaders leave if you don't leave behind other strong leaders it will flounder um we were kind of we were very definitely considering that when we're trying to decide do we want to do a union with CIR or do we want to start our own one or do we want to go with a different organization and ultimately it's very important to us to have a staffer who is there long term, who understands what it means to be a resident, who understands our concerns, and who was around during our last contract negotiation. And usually contracts are every three or four years, depending on the site, um, which might be like, might be a whole new residence there by that time. Um, And so that institutional memory isn't there. And it can be very difficult uh, to make sure that you're continuing to negotiate upwards if you don't have that institutional memory. So for us, I very much said, make sure that in your department, you are identifying people who can take your place once you leave. And if you're able to instill that culture in each specialty, then you can make sure that it's strong across specialties. Because when you're first, I always recommend to folks, when you're first unionizing, in order to really get that grassroots level strength, you want to identify leaders in every specialty so that they can reach out to their co-residents and, you know, get them to help the union or get them to do X, Y, Z things. And it's a lot easier to get people to reach out to folks within their own specialty than trying to reach out to folks in a whole different program who they may not know. And so if you continue that strength in each of the different specialties, then you'll make sure that there's still strength in the union. Okay. That's very good. Yeah. Very good knowledge for each specialty to really have leadership and then partnering with the national level of unions so that they can help equip you to have that institutional memory. I do think it's kind of cool that every three to four years is when you would revisit the contract because it's going to represent the needs of a whole new body of residents for that time also. So even even as you leave on the legacy, it's, it's approaching the needs for new people and allowing that to be flexible, which is a cool option as well. Absolutely. Um, why do you think, sorry, I'm throwing some, some additional curveball. No, you're good. I love I didn't, it. <laughs> I didn't prep you with, but um, why do you see uh, EM residents so often in the forefront of the unionization effort? Yeah. Um, 
you know, I think it's partly our culture. I think a lot of uh, EM folks go into EM because we love the medicine, but we also recognize that we're people as well. And we're lucky to be a younger specialty that is not necessarily as entrenched in the hierarchy and in that negativity of what a union can be. And I think a lot of attending physicians and a lot of the culture of emergency medicine recognizes that we are employees, like none of us who really get to own our practice, generally speaking. And so I think especially with the pandemic, we saw how important it was for us to be able to speak up about um, problems in the workplace, how important it was for us to have due process. And I think it's beautiful that we as residents generally don't as much feel that pressure from our uh, administration, from our like higher up attendings to be so union negative. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing also is that because we have such erratic schedules, <laughs> oftentimes we're free during the daytime or during the time that people are wanting to do the union work. And so sometimes yeah. crazy people like me will sacrifice our sleep, <laughs> maybe that we're supposed to be doing the daytime to instead <laughs> do the union stuff, right? And so we're able to do, we have opportunities, maybe at the sacrifice of some personal things to be yeah. able to do interesting stuff. So like for me, a very, very other value part, valuable part of my union experience was being part of the political organizing committee. It was during the presidential election time. And so I got to like go to multiple presidential candidates and interview them and like vet them for the union. And that was a cool experience I would have never had except through the union. Yeah. And there's like a lot of cool things that we are able to do as EM residents that you can take advantage of. And so that that's something that I've seen a lot of us be a part of. I think also at the end of the day, just that that, that culture that we've instilled um, in, in our workforce to really care for one another and to really be thoughtful and to really fight for like against injustices that we see as problematic. I think that's something that is really special to us as a workforce as well. Like so many of us go into emergency medicine because we wanted to take care of the underserved, because we want to take care of um, folks who don't have as many rights. And I think that also translates to wanting to take care of ourselves as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's more that it's our personality and it's the drive that drew us into emergency medicine to help people and help overall the other residents. It's not necessarily a reflection of negativity on EM itself. I think sometimes people interpret uh, the unionization coming so much from ER as people being discontent in emergency medicine. And I think we have some of the best lives of residents in many of the specialties. Um, So I think it's more that we're we want to help others. So I think that's, that's super accurate. Thank you for right. that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think also we've recognized that wellness isn't like yoga or pizza parties. Wellness <laughs> is being able to right. wellness is being able to have some say in your workplace and to be able to have some sort of agency. Yeah. And as a residency, as a resident, we recognize that really as a, you don't have a ton of that, but we've recognized unionization as a avenue to do so. Yeah. Um, and I think that is so incredibly valuable. And that definitely contributed to my wellness during residency, even when I was spending so much extra time <laughs> doing all this. But I can say I've left a legacy that I'm proud of, and it helps me get through it all. Yeah, you you've definitely left a large, large shoes to fill for anyone who wants to do something similar for their program, but you've also showed that it's possible. Um, is there anything else that we haven't mentioned that you would like to talk to us about unionization or um, any yeah. last points to leave us with? 
Yeah, I'd say to that whole point, like I always, whenever I was speaking for the union or doing political work or anything, I made it very clear that I was happy with my specific specialty program. And they like very much were fine with me doing all the things I was doing. Um, and I, you know, I think that it's important to make sure that you are doing well in your program, that you're working well, so that you are above reproach. Um, and that then you're able to like speak for others and able to fight for others. Um, and I, I think coming from that point of view is how you have that, uh, how how you have the higher footing to be able to get work done. I, I I do want to make it very clear that everything I'm saying is not on behalf of UCLA, not on behalf <laughs> of the California Medical Association and the American Medical Association. Although generally speaking, organized medicine groups have become more and more friendly towards unionization, and there are quite a few reports coming out that are more friendly towards residency unionization. So be on the lookout for that. It's really exciting. <laughs> um, but all this is only from my own <laughs> point of view. Um, but I'm really excited to be, I was, had a great time being here and thank you so much for having me here. Thank you so much for all of your thoughts and um, experiences that you shared with us. It was great to have this conversation. We look forward to more and also seeing all that you're going to accomplish in the future. Well, thank you so much. Bye everybody. <laughs>